maintenance is i wouldn't say it's a secondary thing but um it is a secondary thing as far as getting the product it's, there's so much work that goes into specifying the product and getting the product through the bidding process and through the general contractor and down to the floor that the maintenance process becomes secondary hello everyone this is dave thompson i am your host here at beyond clean with ace where the cleaning industry talks about well anything and everything about cleaning you know it's february my gosh, I don't know where the 20, 2023 is now started with a bang and I'm uh, way behind. Don't know how you feel feel uh, here, but you know, there's, you know, one of the things I was looking at, I was looking at all of the people that I talked to over a year and uh, I'm so thankful that you've joined us again for another episode. We did about 80 podcasts last year and over the seven years now going into that seventh year, We've talked with hundreds of individuals, but there's some people that come back on a regular basis. And as you might notice, we have, well, it's, let's see, up here in that corner, wherever it is, Mannington Commercial. And to that point, Sean DeVore is back again, and we're going to be talking floors, Sean. We always talk floors, don't we? Yes, we do, Dave. How are you this morning? You know, hey, like I said there, uh, it's February, and I can't believe 23 is already a month gone. Yeah, it's uh, unbelievable that we're into February already. I can't um, I can't imagine that uh, – try to give a little more light here. I can't imagine that uh, the year's – that it's going to go this fast. I hope not anyway. <laughs> oh, I got to tell you, you know, I know we talk every month, but I'm like, heck, I'm talking to Sean again. That means another month has gone by. Yeah, I was telling my wife this morning, it's just like it just rolls over quick, very, very fast. But when you plan, you know, your calendar is full every month and you just go do your job every day. It's unbelievable how how fast it does go. My dad always said that growing up. He's like, you'll you'll see when you get older how fast your life goes. <laughs> yeah. The only other th funny thing about that is, is it, you know, it's, it's surprising to me how my dad grew much more intelligent as I grew older. Oh. Oh, when I was like 13, 14, and 15, he was an imbecile. <laughs> he didn't know anything. Uh, folks, but, uh, as you can see, we don't talk just about cleaning. We got life that goes on. Speaking of life, uh, it's been a little cool here, uh, Jan uh, you know, December, January, February for us here in Florida this year. Yeah, we had some really cold temperatures up here in North Florida. We were down 19 and 20 degrees. Um, I, I've got a staghorn plant that i have that i've had for 24 years that you can't reach around and she got burned a little bit this year and i even had her in the greenhouse so um, i'm bringing her back around now folks if you haven't been with us before and don't know who sean is uh we'll let him go in that in a minute but he's you know we were talking with another person this weekend and he says i don't like the word farmer i'm more of a rancher and i said Oh, don't talk about being a rancher unless you've got herds of cattle or big, you know, uh, herds of, of of sheep and stuff. Uh, so, so I don't, I don't want to say hobby farmer or hobby rancher. That's what I would say. I'm a hobby farmer. I have okay, a, all right. I have a small. Yeah, I'm definitely a hobby farmer. I have uh, I because my best friend farms for a living, so I know what a real farmer is. But. Um, <laughs> I've, I help him and I've seen him see what he does working six and seven days a week. 
but uh, no, I have a, a small hobby farm where we have some horses and chickens and a, a garden and kind of a little bit, try to be sustainable, but that that's, that's, we're definitely hobby hobbyists. Okay. So that's what you do on your part-time job because that is a job. Uh, but yep. your main job is with Mannington commercial. Uh, we enjoy that you've been with us for a number of years. So uh, before we go any further, tell people what you do and everything. And what are we going to talk about today, Sean? Well, my main position is that I'm a sales representative for Mannington Commercial. Uh, they We call us ourselves district managers. And we uh, call on architects, design firms, end users, school districts, and uh, colleges, hospitals, or the like of those are examples of end users. Uh, and I also flooring contractors. So it's a multifaceted job. Uh, I, I have a territory from South Georgia to North Florida uh, that I cover. And I spend, you know, every day usually out on the road with the exception of one and seeing my clients and customers and trying to specify flooring. And talking about maintenance, that's one of my big issues is I like to talk about maintenance and how to take care of the floors that we install. And or we provide for installation and that's the things we'll be talking about today. I had an interesting call with a hospital and then also I've got an upcoming uh, seminar presentation at a college uh, going over how to maintain LVT floors. You know, one of the, the uh, just this last week, and I don't know if this plays into what you have prepared for us today, but you know, I got a call from one of my clients that has LV in the building and we sold them uh a class on how to do LV floors. And then they purchased the uh, cylindrical auto scrubber, small little electric one that they could uh, store because of size and, uh, you know, closets and all of that. Right. But then the thing is, is then they called me over there and they said, Hey, we've got this uh, gymnasium floor. It's a rubber floor. And uh, can it, can uh, we use that cylindrical auto scrubber to clean the, the gym floor? And I said, yeah. Well, when I got out there, it's kind of like that expanded rubber, you know, it's kind of cushy. So mm -hmm. you can't put a full battery powered uh, auto scrubber on it because it's just too, too heavy. Right. But yet it's all dirty and everything. And they, of course, you know, have been doing what everybody else does, you know, the old sloppy mop. And right. Yeah. So now we've got a contractor going over there because they don't have enough time to run the machine. It, you know, more and more of the synthetic floors are becoming because you know the LV products and everything. We're going synthetic floors instead of carpet and VCT. That's correct. Everything, our business overall, the LVT business is probably. I know for me personally in my territory, it's well over sixty-five percent of my business is LVT or hard surface. Now that may include that that, that does include uh, sheet vinyl for hospitals, ORs, operating rooms, and exam rooms and procedure rooms, but it also includes LVT and LVP. So th that's probably sixty-five percent of my business. the The carpet has been a very small part of my business, uh, as per last year. Carpet looks like it's taken a little bit more of a a turn in my territory this year, but that's just because of some carpet projects that I've got on the books for that are coming up. Well, yeah. And, and whenever you're working with these, Sean, I'm sure that those projects are things that were put in play years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, my basic turn, if I start on a brand new project, 
with the exception of like an entire hospital or entire building or something, it's usually a six month process on the projects that I work on. So I'll start on a project and six to seven months later is when that project actually gets ordered or comes to fruition. If it's an entire hospital or a large building, uh, that the design, I start with a design firm at the design level, then it could be as much as two or three years before that project comes to fruition. So um, maintenance of these synthetic floors, I, I'm finding here at the academy are becoming more and more uh, problematic because, you know, just like this location here, you know, it's a big expanse in this one big gym. Uh, they're not prepared to handle that. But now after years of it, the floor has lost its color. It's just, it's just dead. It's dirty. It's, and they don't know how to clean it. Yeah, there's, you know, I've, I've go back to a story I told, I think I've told you a long time ago about when I first started in the business back in 1991, I asked the owner of the store that I worked at, why don't we sell vacuum cleaners? It was a residential carpet store. <laughs> and I was like, why don't I ask, you know, Al, the guy that owned it, I'm like, why don't, why don't we sell vacuum cleaners? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, vacuum cleaners, we sell a carpet. We don't sell the thing to clean it with. He goes, well, that's a good idea. And we never, never sold vacuum cleaners. <laughs> but um, that kind of, that same kind of thing still continues. Um, maintenance is, I wouldn't say it's a secondary thing, but um, it is a secondary thing as far as getting the product. It's, there's so much work that goes into specifying the product and getting the product through the bidding process and through the general contractor and down to the floor that the maintenance process becomes secondary. And then you have these major corporations that are cleaning, these cleaning companies that don't necessarily uh, communicate with us at all. Um, and they work more with the chemical companies and the pad companies and the machines to, in order to get rebates and, and things like that in order to sell those products than they do learning about the actual manufacturing process of the floor. So there's, in my opinion, there's a huge disconnect between those things. And well, I, yeah, we've said that before here, Sean, we both agree on that. So are you finding uh, this challenge of the synthetic floors uh, like I am, or is that, or, or am I just uh, finding isolated cases? I think in, from my perspective, you know, everything I sell is synthetic. So um, I don't have any natural products. So I've, we've, so it's part of my everyday um, life that I deal with as far as that. The most of the synthetic floor, as far as, you know, carpet synthetic, because it's nylon, uh, you have the rubber, which is a not traditional um, natural rubber anymore. It's a synthetic that has a built in wax in it. And then you have the LVT, which has a, a very hard topical coating that's made to resist pretty much anything you try to put on it. So um, there are different aspects of each product that I sell, but everything that I sell is synthetic. So I don't, I'm not really seeing a difference in that. Oh, well then of course, wait a minute. Don't you have linoleum? No, we do We don't, we have liquid linoleum, ah. but that has, that has our, um, quantum guard elite, uh, finish on it, which is a no wax finish. So it's very similar to the LVT as far as the finish goes. But, but that goes back to, Sean, what we're talking about, though, we do this every month, is what we're really doing is maintaining the surface, not the, the substrate product itself. No, because I, you know, I, I have that question at least once a week. Can I install your product over existing VCT? 
Well, yes, you can. And I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you how to do it. And, and uh, I'll give you a bond warranty to the VCT. But if the, if the VCT lets go from the floor, I don't cover that. So you're only as good as what you, you know, your, your existing substrate. Right. And, and, and folks, this goes back into a lot what we talk about. And I just had this, I know it's not in what you're talking about, Sean, but I had this with a, a person that had a floor that was underwater for uh, a few days. Um, you know, it was a uh, luxury, uh, no, it was a uh, travertine stone floor. And the problem is, is now they want to clean it. And I said, Hey, what you've got to do first, before you start doing any cleaning, you've got to get all that moisture evaporated out of the stone and out of the concrete because, you know, if you clean on top of it, it's just going to come back. It's going to bring it back. And this is that substrate people that go, oh, well, the, you know, the surface is okay. Well, hey, didn't we talk last time you had a, a, a deal where a, a carpet or something was underwater for a week or so? Yeah, I did. Uh, they had, they, it was at uh, major university. They had, the basement had flooded and the, um, sub-basement had flooded and they've still got it ripped out. They're having to do some uh, mi strong mitigations with the slab. And um, we still have not installed or ordered carpet for that job yet. It's still sitting open. Well, and this goes back to making sure that that substrate's right, no matter what kind of synthetic floor you're going to put on there. Now I say synthetic because, you know, we also teach, you know, re uh, resilient floor care classes here at the Academy. So whenever I say synthetic, I'm actually talking about other than, you know, a, uh, a concrete stone or carpet. I call carpet soft and I call uh, synthetic like LV rubber. Um, so just to clarify, folks, if you're listening, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Of course, hey, you're on the other side of it. So we have a little bit different terminology that we use. Yeah, I'm going more literal with synthetic, just meaning that it's non-natural. But what we are talking about is the fact that the substrate on all of these makes a tremendous difference into how we take care of it on top. Yeah, if you don't, we call it, uh, I've often referred to it as the sandwich. So if you have your, you have your substrate, which is your concrete or your wood subfloor, whatever you're working with, and then you have your underlayment, which is your spreadable cementitious underlayment that dries hard, and then you either have a primer on it, depending on what your moisture needs are, and then you, your adhesive and then the product. Those are all the, the parts that go to make that sandwich. So have you had any of these uh, rubber floors lately that, that needed uh, uh, some of your consultant? Yeah, I was called out to a hospital where we do uh, fortunate to furnish the rubber for that hospital. The, the end user is very happy with it. The facility manager called me out. We had a meeting with the uh, general contractor, the flooring contractor. The uh, owner was there. Uh, the only person that wasn't there was the maintenance person, which needed to be there. <laughs> yeah, the and, one guy uh, that needed to be there. The, the one guy that needed there. to be there wasn't there. So I show up. I, I go to every maintenance call with a bag that has uh, clean terry cloth towels in it, uh, it. A, a squirt bottle with plain water in it, right. and a um, Mr. Clean uh, melamine pad in there, a nylon brush, and um, some rubbing alcohol and some peroxide. That's my little bag that I keep with, keep with me. The little, and, the little tool kit, right? Yeah. Yeah, a little tool kit that I keep in the truck with me at all times. So I usually, the first thing I do is I'll 
walk the job, see what their concerns are. Right. And then I'll pick a place that I see that's the probably the dirtiest or the worst place. And I'll get on my hands and knees and squirt the water on the floor. And I usually joke, this is right out of my well at Fort White. This is, you know. <laughs> special and, water. Uh, exact special water. <laughs> and uh, let it sit there for a few seconds. And I'll take that terry cloth rag and I'll wipe the floor. And I've been... There's been very few times that I have not wiped the floor and it come completely clean with just one or two wipes. And uh, that tells me that either they're doing the sloppy mop, like you mentioned earlier, or their squeegee on their machine is not working properly and they're not picking up the dirty water or they're just simply not cleaning at all. And they're just and in, all, just in all of those cases. The thing is, is that what the tools that we've been using are inefficient, shouldn't be used, and aren't producing a result that we feel that we're trying to accomplish. Right. And the fourth thing that I sometimes find is residue. Mostly, the residue is typically on LV, LVP or carpet, but the uh, soapy residue or some type of um, tacky material that's left on the floor the floor gets blamed for uh the manufacturing process gets blamed that i can't clean your floor and so was that rubber so floor tacky no it wasn't tacky it was just dirty water basically i i cleaned uh they had some areas next to the welds um and and a couple of the welds had not been skived completely flush with the floor so there was a a slight bevel right at the seam okay, so there was a, right. a slack area and that slack area was uh collecting uh a little bit of soap and then right. as after the cleaner left it's collecting soil and shows a dark line sure um so it's i kind of like a, it's kind of like a grout line in in a tile floor it acts as a squeegee and squeegees it all off or whatever correct. went over it so i I showed them in a couple of areas out they had other areas where the chemical that they were using on the floor was, uh, they had the um, old school fire doors where it had the pins down into the floor and had uh -huh. some type, I don't know if it was brass or stainless steel. It looked like an older stainless steel and it had rusted or been affected by the chemical used on the floor to clean it. And at that point I just poured some rubbing alcohol on the floor and, um, allowed it to dwell for about three minutes and then I just wiped that up and that came right off the floor and the facility manager was completely um I guess the word would be disgust and then embarrassed because yeah, he was he, that, uh, yeah yeah, yeah he was that. he was apologizing to me for me having to come and get on my hands and knees and show him with a white rag and water that it could clean the floor and that he had not been able to establish a um a meaningful um, relationship with the maintenance department to where they could clean the floor the way it should be. And I said, I said, I'm happy to come in and, and go with them, meet the guy that's actually running the machine um, and, and talk to them uh, and, and go over that. I had, it, I had a similar situation at a school uh, early, earlier that it was a large, it's a large school district and they called me out for the same thing. There was soil on the floor. They couldn't get it up. They couldn't figure out what was going on. The floor is dirty. I do the same thing with the water, clean it. And he goes, wow, that's a very clean circle you got there. And I said, yeah. He goes, what do you think it is? I said, I said, well, are you here at night? He goes, I know he's running the machine. I said, are you here at night watching him? Have you ever seen the person running the machine? And he goes, no, I've never seen it. I know they use it because it's charging in the morning, but I have never watched them use it. 
I said, well, I would imagine it looks like a NASCAR track out here in the afternoon because he's just zipping along here and he's not allowing the machine to do the work that it's supposed to do and pick up the water that he's putting on the floor. So he's not accomplishing anything. He's slow way down and take his time and the floor will come clean. It's not dirty. It's just got dirt sitting on it. And so I'll be called back to that school again. I mean, it just. You know, I solved the issue that day. I explained to him he'll take it to maintenance and then maintenance will turn around and come back to him. And then the principal will say something and they'll call me right back out there. So it's just a vicious cycle. And and folks, if you have been with us before, you know that every Monday afternoon I have a program called Cleaning with the Academy where I give you a, a hack for the week and then I have an open coaching session. And one of those things has been that we've been talking about the auto scrubber on a couple of those hacks. And, you know, it's cylindrical brush technology is one of our hacks that we talk about. And the other thing is take the squeegee off of the machine every time that you use the machine. So that way, whenever you look in the mop closet and the machine is parked there, the squeegee should be off of the machine. So this has been, you know, and, and, and Sean, I don't know if I've ever told you this before, but I learned this a long time ago. If you go in and you see the machine parked there and it's not in use, it should be plugged in for the charger, as you said, mm -hmm. but the tank should be open. The recovery tank should be open so that it breathes and dries so it doesn't smell like a wet sewer. And then the other thing is the squeegee should be off of it, folks. It should not be on the machine in the closet. Now, here's the reason in the hack. It's because nobody is taking a squeegee off, examining it, making sure it's not cut or split or torn, or that the front edge of the squeegee is beveled and isn't working. You cannot examine these things and keep it clean. If you're running out of scrubber, folks, just as Shauna said, the business end of the machine is the squeegee. Everything else is in front of it. If that squeegee does not work appropriately, it cannot pick up. Now, I agree with you, Sean. It should slow down and let the chemical do the job. But the other thing you're talking about here in our episode today is we've got a film that's building up. And if you've got a $4,000, $6,000, $10,000 auto scrubber, come on, folks. Take the squeegee off and inspect it daily. Oh, well, I got off on my little tantrum there, I guess. <laughs> hey, you let me do it. I couldn't resist. Well, I I learned about the squeegee and the importance of it from you. I didn't know. I That's the first I learned about taking it off. That is a good idea because if you're forced to mess with it, then you're forced to inspect it. So um, I think that's a great idea and something I'll bring up in my uh, talks that I do. As a matter of fact, I've got one coming up at a college where we're going to have 35 maintenance uh, professionals there uh, that work at that college. And they're all going to be... Um, listening to me on a breakfast presentation on how to take care of LVP floor because the college is transferred over from um, VCT to LVT. Okay, so then when you go and see them, Sean, hey, I'm just giving you ammunition, right? Go to the YouTube channel from the Academy, look up the cleaning, uh, uh, cleaning with the Academy, look up the hacks. You'll mm -hmm. see both the one for the selection of the cylindrical and also the squeegee hack you'll see those there hey you can just play that and say hey now here here's what somebody else said what do you think this is a guy i know pretty well and he seems to know what he's talking about <laughs> well 
you know, and, and, and it's the challenge that I've always had, Sean, is, you know, every time I go in and look at a facility, as you do, the first thing I do is go and look and see what the situation is. For me, first thing I do is go look at that auto scrubber. If that squeegee is on there, I can absolutely tell you that it's not working right. Because it hasn't been looked at. It's like checking the air pressure in the tires. Yeah, and well, and so many of the times, whenever I go, you couldn't, you know, you're supposed to be able to, folks, I don't know if you know this or not, but you're supposed to be able to take the squeegee off with two little knobs, hand tight, no no tools needed. If you got to get a tool out to take that off of there, I can guarantee you that squeegee's not working right. Yeah, because it's never been taken off. Well, and the, the front edge of the squeegee needs to have a, a square laser cut. Now, folks, if you're listening to this, I'm, I'm doing this all by hand gestures. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if, if you're watching the video, you see all the hand gestures. Uh, but that straight edge is what picks up to the point that you made. That weld was a straight edge. It collects mm -hmm. the debris. Right. That's what the straight edge on the squeegee is supposed to do, collect the debris that the front of the machine loosened. If it can't do that, it doesn't work, and then it smears the floor, like you said. Well, and, and when you to go back to what you were talking about with uh, chemical, so they put chemical on today. They don't. They have an improperly working squeegee to pick up the chemical. Then they come back the next day. They put more chemical on the floor, and it continues to build up. And then it just collects soil on a regular basis, and it gets four dirtier and dirtier. And then the manufacturer gets blamed because I can't clean your floor. You know, I don't know if that's so much the case is that you're maybe not cleaning it correctly. I, I think the biggest pushback, if I could have one with uh, the maintenance companies, are that they do listen to the chemical manufacturers more than they listen to the people, the manufacturers who make the floor or develop the technology for the um, for the topical coatings that we put on the floor at the manufacturer. And we work really hard at developing for instance, on our LVP and LVT, our Quantum Guard Elite, as do other manufacturers, putting an aggregate in the finish to help prevent scratching and marring um, and, and create a hardness, but also have that topical coating be uh, resilient enough that you can install it properly. If you get the top, your topical coating is too hard and you're trying to, it ruins knives or when you push it into a corner, it cracks or breaks then it's not effective for installation. So we have to try to work into those areas and create a topping that's hard enough to resist the scratching and the mooring and the regular wear that goes on during the day and during the life of the floor, but also can resist staining and and, um, and soiling and those kinds of things and the effect of a, a auto scrubber going all over it every day with a brush scrubbing it with water. So there's a lot of things goes into it and then we just do not get to talk to the maintenance company. They're telling us, they can't clean our floor, but yet they haven't even asked us how to clean the floor. This goes back to education. This is what this podcast is all about, folks. This is exactly why we talk with Sean every month. You know, uh, whether you purchase or whether you install Mannington products, that's not the issue. The issue is if you're using these products, they have changed. And what hasn't changed, Sean, is the mentality of our facilities and the fact that maintenance and management do not understand that we do not do the same things to these new floor surfaces that we did 10 years ago. No, we don't. And I'm going to meet with a brand new school district tomorrow. 
I've never met this district before. Uh, they called me uh, mainly because she, the facility director, she was doing some research online. She came across Mannington. She uh, called me and we had a great conversation, but you know, probably 50% of that conversation was about their maintenance because they're currently using all VCT and they're moving from VCT to LVT. And I'm very impressed with the fact that she is doing some research. She's uh, asking questions. They have not done one school yet in LVT, but they're considering it. And I'm going to go meet with her. And most of the conversation tomorrow is going to be about maintenance. I'm going to show her Brett's materials from Expanded Technologies. I'm going to show her, I'm going to talk to her about maintenance and what chemicals. Those are going to be all parts of my conversation because she's making a drastic change from a, a finished a floor that doesn't have any finish on it that she applies it on site to one that has a pre-applied finish coming from the factory. And you've got to keep her from using the, what the chemical industry calls that sacrificial wear layer now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't believe it when I actually saw the marketing on that sacrificial wear layer for LV products. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, but people buy into this. Well, that's that was what really was on VCT or really is, is that there is a sacrificial wear layer on VCT when it comes from the factory. We used to put a small short coating of finish on it to get it through the construction phase. Well, what, do you think they, more, what do you think water based liquid floor finishes we've been putting on VCT for 100 right. years? Right. It, it is sacrificial. a sacrificial wear layer. That's but we right. we don't do that. That's the reason we're using these new products, folks. Right. Yeah. When I started talking to her about, you know, her costs associated with putting in VCT, I said, you're, you know, you're right now today, if you're buying a VCT, which comes from very limited manufacturing because uh, the major market of Armstrong has changed. Uh, I think there's a company out there using one of their manufacturing facilities still making VCT. Then you have Tarquette who makes VCT, but your your manufacturing uh, options are very limited as far as VCT. But you're installing now the product is more money because there's less of it. So the prices went up, getting really close to what LV products are. So you're installing for $1.95 a foot for VCT. Then you're coming back in a week after you install it and spending another 40 cents a foot to put finish on it. And then the next summer you're doing the exact same thing again. And then on and on. And I sorry, I said, take, just take 40 cents a square foot, which is a very minimalistic number. And every summer by the square footage of the schools that you do and figure out how much money you're spending. So every time you change a school to LV, that money in the summer, you can send those people to do something else. They don't have to strip and finish the floor. And she started thinking about that. She goes, that's, that's, that's a lot of money. I said, yeah, it's a lot of money. I said, that goes away with LV product. But you have to, there, your maintenance program changes and you're not there in the summertime, but you're probably there a little more often during the year. And, um, but it's less intrusive. So we, we'll be talking about all those things tomorrow. Folks, you know, this is what we talk about every month. Um, whether you're using a luxury vinyl product or synthetic floor today, I, you know, I was looking for a way to close the show today, Sean, and I'm just happy that you closed it the way you did because it's all about research before you put it down. Because once that you put it down, maintenance changes. 
And what we find with the new synthetic floors of the last 10 years is that most people are not changing the mentality of what they're doing. They're simply doing the same old habits, using the same old machines, same old products with a new product. And then they're coming to people like Sean and going, well, it's not working. Or I get them in class going, why am I here? I, I need to know what to do. You have to change the mindset before you put it in. Sean, I like one of the things you said is, hey, we got to put those, those, those covers on those chairs. I mean, this is what's going to keep the scratching. I keep telling people in class all the time, it requires more daily maintenance, but less life cycle maintenance. Right. Sean, how do they get hold of you uh, over at Mannington? Uh, I think you covered where you, you uh, cover Northern Florida there from Mannington. So uh, how do they get hold of you? And uh, thanks for being on the show again. I appreciate it, Dave. Uh, yeah, if you're in South Georgia or North Florida and you need a flooring consultant, give me a call. I'm with Mannington Commercial. My number is 352-630-9884, or I can be reached at sean.devore at mannington.com. And I appreciate your time today. Thank, thank you, Dave. It's always a, a pleasure. Sean, we've got uh, your uh, address uh, scrolling across the bottom of the screen there for people. If you want to, you got his phone numbers. We'll have all of his information in the show notes, both on the video and on the uh, audio recording. And folks, as I said, if you listening to this show, please join us on a Monday afternoon. We're live on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube at 2.30. We're just here to talk about anything in the commercial cleaning industry, just like Sean and I have today. It's a live one hour presentation. I have a hack from last week I'll go over. I have a new hack for this week, and then it's just open conversation. You don't have to come on live like Sean does on screen and audio. You can just simply type it into the chat and, hey, I'll answer your question, or I'll find somebody like Sean DeVore over at Mannington that has the answer. We will get the answer for you. Folks, we appreciate that you were here today. Please like, share, subscribe. That's what it's all about. That's the only way other people get this information. Sean? Um, one last thing, we're going to see you in April as a guest speaker at one of our shows. Give them just a little tidbit. Well, I'll just leave it at the fact that um, I live life by the little things, and I talk about how important the small things in life are, and I call it drips in a bucket. So I will uh, leave that for you, and, and, and hopefully your bucket drips overnight and fills up. Thanks for being on the show, Sean. Till we see you again. See you later, Dave. Thank you.